You're listening to Behind the Wheel on RacingJunk.com. You've read the stories of the drivers and others involved in the sport that we all love. Now hear their stories firsthand via our all-new podcast to find out how their passion for motorsports has made life worth living. All right, we're back. We are, finally. Where have we been? <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it seems like everything under the sun has been going on. First off, we had oh. we had winter extravaganza 2018, mm-hmm. which just ended, thank God. Yeah, I mean, it's been, every time I think it's over, it comes back. I mean, so <laughs> welcome. It's barely 80 degrees outside. <laughs> to the one, I mean, you, you notice my farmer's tan? I do. You like that? That's nice. Do you like my jorts? I do. This halter top cost me a dollar, okay? Oh, I well, splurged. that's why it looks like it does. Okay. I splurged on you. <laughs> yes, it is. I am Chris Young. That is Ellen Richardson. Welcome to Behind the Wheel on RacingJunk.com. Now, if you joined us last month, you heard about the story of NHRA Super Comp driver Sarah Moldenauer. Wow. Yes. Sarah wins, which, think, by the way, I've been following her on Instagram. She's been blowing up, man. Of course she is, and I know you're probably becoming her biggest fan. I mean, she's not only a driver, but she's a beer wench. I mean... <laughs> What's the weight of my heart? They say it's through a man's stomach. Uh-uh. No, no, no. it's through his liver. It's through Tater's beer cup. You keep that thing full, you okay in my book. So she took that passion she developed at the age of eight into a successful NHRA Lucas Oil Divisional Series career. And if I'm not mistaken, she just recently won yes, a race, she did. I believe, last week. Yeah, she did. So bless her heart. So speaking of NHRA, you recently spent some time at the Z-Max Dragway. I was out of town, couldn't join you, so you didn't have your yeah, bodyguard there. Yeah, I tried to there. get him there. I tried, y'all. He wouldn't join me. Well, you know, my schedule, myself. Ellen. You know, <laughs> when joking. you're a superstar of this status. Oh, my God. You know, I mean, hey. Conceded. Walmart, Walmart needed another greeter. I had to <laughs> I had to go do it. Rhonda asked you to be there, huh? That's right. So tell me a little bit about what you were doing there and who all you saw. Oh, man, it was an incredible day. Um, it's been about a year and a half since the last time I actually got to attend the 4Y Nationals, so mm-hmm. I'm really excited to finally return to the 4Y Nationals, and um, th- the coverage is on the site, guys, so if you haven't read that yet, make sure you go try- check it out. And once again, that's racingjunk.com. That's right. Mm-hmm. And they were advertising like crazy, the four wide. Yes. So was it a good turnout? Oh, it was a great turnout. It wasn't sold out, but it was a very big turnout. Everybody seemed to be having a great time. The racing was incredible. Um, you know, there was a little bit of a lull at the first rounds, but um, by the second round, it was amazing. I mean, and I saw some passes on Sunday that blew my mind. And I know you're a big... Like what? Oh, I know you're a big fan of the Force Daughters, right? Ah, uh, yes. Courtney. Brittany. It wasn't Brittany, though. Oh, it was it Courtney. Was Courtney. Oh. Courtney was blowing doors off. Now, don't get me wrong. Brittany really? qualified first right. on Saturday, and so did Courtney. But Courtney was blowing them away Little on court, Sunday. Court. Oh, yes, she was. Her first pass was over 300 miles an hour. She blew the whole field away. Now, was Papa it, Force there, too? He was, and okay, he was John. doing fine, but his daughters were blowing him away. Oh, man. Now, don't get me wrong. Papa Force and Courtney both made it to the finals. Right. Um, and but, actually, I thought for sure Bruton just might give that to his buddy there, but Cruz Pedregon r- r- ran away with it. Really? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Now, don't get me wrong. I was kind of rooting for our guest on Sunday, but, yeah. but he made it to the final round. So Okay. <laughs> and of course, our guest that she's talking about is Tommy Johnson Jr. That's right. And we're going to be talking to Tommy Johnson Sr. as well. Mm-hmm. So Ellen, because of the power... Behind the wheel and racingjunk.com. I don't know about the power. <laughs> and her persistence. <clears throat> yeah, I don't really give up. I'm kind of annoying like that. I'd say sand <laughs> in the underwear. That's right. I kind of bugged some drivers that much. So, <laughs> Which is fine. That's what you got to do. That's, That's right. what you got to do. And I'm proud of you. Hey. And I said, you're not you're not going to diss me. Which is why I splurged <laughs> on this black halter top. That's right. Yeah, I should have took you with me. They would have talked to me right away. I know. Black is slimming. I know. <laughs> I'm just saying. So I'm excited to have uh, Tommy Johnson Jr. He's going to be coming up first, and we're going to be talking to his dad, Tommy Johnson Sr. But tell me a little bit about, set it up for me. What'd you do? What'd you say? How'd you get him? Well, I mean, I've been trying to work on Tommy Johnson Sr. since I met, oh, excuse me, Junior, mm-hmm. <laughs> going back and forth. I'm, <laughs> I'm going for the older man. Yes, <laughs> yeah, he likes I'm, I'm older the, baby. I like the older guys. Like, 70 no. plus, you got a retirement <laughs> account, and that, and that thing's matured. Ellen's coming your way. <laughs> I wouldn't quite say that. No, I did have an opportunity to meet Tommy Johnson Sr., not uh-huh. Jr., um, <laughs> at a Greensboro Drag Racing Expo uh, uh-huh. in February, and his story blew my mind. Yeah, he's got a fascinating, yes. just amazing story. I mean, I always kind of have been fascinated with his son and his racing career and the fact that he drives for Make-A-Wish. It's you know, close to my yes. own heart. Yes, same. So I've um, been trying to get an interview with his son for mm, two and a half years mm-hmm. and not really getting much response from the team, but I know they're busy and that kind of thing, so... 
um, I thought, hey, finally met the dad. What better way to get an interview with both of them? So yeah, I thought, why not kind of put a little, you know, push in there? Um, and uh, took some work. Um, dad was definitely interested in doing the interview and wanted to get the whole family involved. He is definitely a family man. Yeah. Gotta love it. So um, he set up the interviews, and before I knew it, Sunday, not everybody was quite available like I thought they were going to be, but I just, you know, went to bug the PR guy a little bit when I got there on Sunday. Mm-hmm. A little bit, huh? <laughs> and said, yeah. oh, I'm not leaving until I get an interview today. So is that... <laughs> I will camp out at your tent. <laughs> is, is, that why, is that why we have the cease and desist letter? Is that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, mean, I, I dig it, but um, okay. I told him I'd, I'd live on their tent if they didn't let me interview them. Like it. See, I thought, you know, I'm just going to pull the blanket right here and we'll sleep right here until he talks to me. <laughs> I will become you. a stalker. <laughs> I am proud of you. Well, I'm excited. I'm sorry I wasn't there. That's all right. It was a great time. This. But I, I'm very excited to hear this interview mm-hmm. with Tommy Johnson Jr., which we'll play right now. So tell me a little bit about funny car racing and how you got started in funny car racing. <gasps> I actually raced Top Fuel for about 10 years, and then uh, we were parked. We didn't have sponsorship, so we were on the sidelines and got a call from Joe Gibbs. Uh, they were making a driver change and wanted to know if I'd be interested in switching over to a funny car. And It all happened because of Jim Bursett, who was my first crew chief in Top Fuel, was actually working with Gibbs' team and suggested they give me a call. So I uh, said, sure, why not? Let's give it a try. I actually I raced alcohol funny car for four years, so I had the experience in a funny car. So, um, you know, when you're sitting on the sidelines, I'll drive anything. All right. <laughs> Well, you said you started in Top Fuel. How did you start drag racing to begin with? Uh, my dad was involved in racing. You know, he raced, uh, you know, sportsman level at a local track in Iowa. And I, I went to the drag strip from the time I was two weeks old every weekend and um, started racing uh, mini bikes. And when I was eight years old at the at that track, uh, there wasn't junior dragsters at the time. So a bunch of us kids had mini bikes and we raced them and progressed up through faster motorcycles. And then uh, when I was 14, started bracket racing a 71 big block over there. And then... Um, my dad decided he was going to get out of the car and, and gave me his car, a super gas car, and we went to uh, uh, Gainesville in 1984, my first national event. Wow. So how did all of this turn into NHRA race? <laughs> uh, you know, it's just uh, you always want to go faster. It's an addiction. You want to uh, you do well and compete and, uh, you know, be successful in, in a category. You always want to go forward and try to uh, move up. And, and we made the progression from super gas to alcohol funny car, then to top fuel and then to funny car. So it's just, uh, it's not been an overnight thing. It's been a lot of years, but it, it, it's paid off. Although it, it's a tremendous amount of hard work and dedication and, and sacrifice. You, you, uh, everybody, how do you get to this level? And it's, uh, well, there's no recipe. You just uh, continue to work and keep trying to move forward. So you've raced top fuel, you've raced funny car, which if you could have any dream, desire to run any car you wanted, would it continue to be funny car or would you go back to top fuel? I enjoy funny car. It's a real challenge. You know, uh, there's nothing against top fuel. I love that. I mean, I've won a top fuel race in six different countries, six different countries. So uh, I, I just enjoy the challenge of the funny car. They're, they're awfully hard to drive. They're uh, very finicky and uh they try to they try to show you who's boss and you try to show them who's boss and when you make a good run in the funny car it, you had a lot to do with it because they the last thing they want to do is go straight so it's uh, it's a it's a challenge to keep the thing going straight and keep it in the groove and and uh, a lot of stuff happening in a short period of time so i i enjoy the challenge of the funny car the best now you've had probably several heroes coming up through your ranks in funny car and i know a lot of people look up to you now who have been some of your heroes? Obviously, it's got to be your dad, but other than that. Yeah, you know, and, and when I was a kid, we were going to races with uh, my dad, and we were at a national event, and, and I couldn't go to the staging lanes because I was too young, and they didn't know what to do with me. So uh, we were parked next to Marvin Graham, who raced top fuel at the time, and he said, oh, he can come over here. I'll watch him, you know. So I got to play in his trailer while they were up there running. Wow. And so Marvin became my idol, you know. He was uh, he was the guy I looked up to, and he, he won Indy in 74, and, and every race after that, as soon as we get there, I'd bolt to Marvin's trailer, you know, so he probably set the top fuel bug to me, you know, that's where I got the bug to race top fuel, and uh, obviously Don Perdome, you know, I got to drive for him in, in 2001 to 2007, and um, he was always, you know, who didn't like Snake and the Mongoose, so right. to be able to drive for your one of your childhood legends was awfully neat deal. Right, exactly. So, what have been some of your favorite memories in drag racing? Oh, of course, getting to do it with our family, you know. I mean, we did that for a lot of years as a family team. And then uh, just you, you do a lot of things over the years. But probably, the, you know, one of the biggest things was I'm a member of the four-second club and a member of the 300-mile-per-hour club. And there's there's only five of us that did that. 
it's at both clubs and and uh, Don Perome, Kenny Bernstein, Joe Motto, and Eddie Hill. So to be in that kind of company is pretty neat, pretty elite. Uh, there's not going to be really no milestones to break anymore. I mean, you'll never see us run two seconds, you know. So um, you know that those barriers are kind of done being broken. So to have your name on that list is pretty cool. So you got all the way to the finals today. Pretty impressive run, run all day. Yeah. How did, what, what kind of happened in that final round? The the, uh, the track prep has changed here lately, and it, it's been a real challenge for the crew chiefs to figure out how to make these cars go without spending the tires. And, and uh, you know, we uh, got lucky first round. I, I outpedaled somebody. I actually won it on a whole shot. In the second round, we were able to make a pretty decent run. Second round, kind of thought we'd figured the track out. And then we got to the final, and we're, we're pretty confident going up there. We thought we had the combination for the track finally. And, and it's uh, just spun the tires again on the top end. It's just... You know, it's the last two races have been really uh, interesting as far as uh, getting your car to the finish line under power because of the track prep and, and the way they're spending the tires so bad. So I'm not a real big fan of what they're doing. So hopefully it uh, changes soon. What do you think they need to change? What's the biggest well, thing? Well, it's need just to you know they're try- they're looking for ways to slow us down all the time and mm-hmm. you know don't not wanting to see us run so fast. And this is an experiment I think on their part to see if they the track prep would slow us down and. Yeah, it's obviously slowed us down because nobody can get to the finish line under power now. So, right. um, but it's it's causing a lot of parts damage for guys, and you know we see a lot of cars blow up today. So, mm-hmm. I'm not a real big fan of it. I think there's other ways to do it besides this because this is uh, I don't want to see anybody get hurt. And you know, having to pedal a race, having to pedal a fuel car on the top end is extremely dangerous. So, I, I just assume they tried a different way. Well, you took out Ron Caps today, and he was very impressed with his teammate. <laughs> so, just so you know, I did sit down yeah. and talk to him for a couple of minutes, and he said he was very impressed with you. Who are some of the other drivers you still need to take down? I mean, you just about took down John Force today. So who else do you need to take down again? Oh, uh, you know, you just you need to be consistent all season. You know, mm-hmm. and, and the, the class as a whole right now is super tough. Oh yeah. There's, uh, you know, you have to be on your game every time because the, the class is so tough that anybody can win the race. And uh, yeah, Caps and I've been teammates. We were teammates for many, many years at Perdomes, and then right. here again. So mm-hmm. you. Uh, you know what your teammates have as far as equipment because you have the same stuff. So it always makes you rise to the, to the uh, occasion. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the force teams and the Schumacher teams, and then you can't forget about the independents like uh, Cruz and Wilkerson. I mean, there's they're awful good cars, even though they're a one-car team. Right, exactly. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. I think we got everything with you. The only other question I have is, what is your future in NHRA? What is your future in drag racing? What, how, how are you going to end out the whole thing? Yeah, that's a good question. You never know what the end will be, but, right. you know, hopefully it's a long time from now. But, right. uh, you know, you obviously want to win a championship. You want to get that championship. And I've been close twice. I've been second twice. So, you know, the desire and the hunger is still there. So, we'll, we'll be at this a while until we can try to get that. That's right. you got a long way to go. That's You're it. still a young man. Yeah, you? that's right. <laughs> All right. Well, perfect. I'm just well, experienced. I'm not old. I'm experienced. Well, thank you for doing this today. We appreciate <laughs> yeah. it. Excellent investigative reporting, as <laughs> always, Ellen. But, uh the hell was that stuff in the background yeah um it seemed like his crew was getting tired of waiting on me <laughs> oh so so, so like, every time i answered a question right there at the end they were just like nyur, nyur. i'm like i really uh-huh. hope this, that you can hear him talking <laughs> see you know what that is that's karma as every time you oh, wait on your husband to get in the car and you start revving it uh-huh yeah uh-huh. no that's no karma. No, he, I usually you. don't. I'm usually not waiting on him. He's usually waiting on me. <laughs> but, I mean, what a story. That yeah. kid was young when he started. I know. Holy crap. I but, mean, but I guess having a dad like Tommy Johnson Sr., like who that, we're going to talk to here in a minute. From, yeah, he went straight from, you know, the, the lower the lower series all the way up to the NHRA, mm-hmm. faster than a lot of those drivers have. I mean, granted, now these days you're seeing younger and younger, but right. when Tommy Johnson Jr. started out, you weren't seeing a lot of those younger guys move up right. that fast. Right. And the fact that he's met Dom Perdome when he was a kid, I'm mm-hmm. a little jelly. Right. So he I got mean, to hang out with him all day. But but look at who his dad is, though. I know, but I still. Mean, <laughs> which I can't, I cannot wait to talk to Tommy Johnson Sr. Mm-hmm. He has got a story that is going to blow your mind, not only about how we started, how he got both his kids mm-hmm. into drag racing, but how he beat cancer, mm-hmm. which I got to tell you, I'm a little skeptical. But his story will be coming up right after this on Behind the Wheel at RacingJunk.com. Attention racers, race fans, and gearheads. If you're looking to buy, sell, or trade the stuff that stokes your engine, then check out RacingJunk.com. RacingJunk.com is the world's number one online racing and performance classifieds where you'll find what you need to rock your ride. 
Check us out at RacingJunk.com. Racing and performance classifieds built to go fast. Tommy, thank you so much for, for joining us. And I understand that you're getting ready to throw some good stuff on the green egg. So, so I promise we'll keep this quick. That's right. I wish I was over there. <laughs> I mean, if you want to invite us up to Mooresville, that's fine. <laughs> no, I'll come, I'll come have, di- have dinner with the Johnsons. I, uh, my son's the cook and, and my wife. And uh, my wife's not feeling too good. So uh, he's doing the cooking tonight. He's had the green egg going. We've got mushrooms on it right now. We're oh, getting nice. ready to put salmon and steaks. Oh, Yum. man. I'm coming to your house when we're done. Hopefully. Tomorrow. We don't get seen, but about four times a year. So. Right. Yeah. So, Tommy, you got a big history in drag racing. If you don't mind, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I have a, a long history of, of drag racing. You know, I raced for years and years myself, won a couple of championships, in tracks, but never made the big show. And then uh, when Tommy Jr. was about eight years old, he started uh, – Showing some interest, he'd like to try this. And we had a little; they didn't have general director, so we had a little uh, three-wheel motorcycle we'd bought him, and he just play in the yard with. And he started racing, bracket racing that. I think it was uh, ran the eighth mile in seventeen twenty. But he won his first three weeks, and uh, cute little story on that was he fourth week we went there, and he said, "Dad, I'm going to be a bad cat, aren't I?" And I said, <laughs> "Yeah, yes, you are." Went out there and ran right out of gas because he forgot to put gas in it. <laughs> So I told him, well, I said, well, from now on, you know, you got to work on these things, not just, uh, not just drive them. And he's learned his lesson well. So I guess that he, did make uh, him a bad cat. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he won a lot. And of course, one the time he was 12 years old, he'd won the championship, mm-hmm. uh, I think maybe twice against the men. By then he started racing against the men. And, uh, then at 13, he's running 120 mile an hour, lay down, air shifted, wheelie bar, wow. chassis built, motorcycle scared to death uh, running 120 miles an hour and a quarter oh i bet uh i t- got him to uh, go over to i bought him, built him a 427 chevy 2 and built that and he raced that for uh, two years the youngest female or youngest uh, uh et driver to ever go to the finals he went to denver colorado and of our entire uh, team they, they they team race there when they go to those et finals and he was the last man standing. And the only reason he lost is because at Denver, we only had a break. The, the limit for kids for the Pro 1 was 1250. He ran 1247. So wow. otherwise, mm. he probably won it. But uh, then my daughter followed along. She said, well, I want to race. So I sent her to Trank Holly School. And she went out in her rookie year and got to semifinals five times because she wouldn't listen to dad. I kept saying, you know, you're a better driver than these men. You cut the lights better, and she was running Edmund Richardson at Brainerd, which was a good lesson to get her spanked. (laughs) You're going to leave on because you're you're better on the lights, but he is deadly on making his car run right on. I said, don't be lifting before the last 50 feet because otherwise you're going to get beat. What she do? She lifted about 100 feet from the end. He zipped right by her. Mm. But she learned her lesson because she went out in 1992 and won the Sears Craftsman Nationals in Topeka wow. at just 17 years old, which a record that still stands today right, right. because you can't run until you're 18. So that record will stand everywhere, forever. Right. Lori Johns was a, a former female youngest winner at about 23, 24. So, you know, I'm real proud of both kids, but Wendy chose to walk away and go in the NASCAR world. She uh, went finished her college degree and, and rode down one weekend with her brother and his girlfriend to Charlotte to go to the race, and she went around and put uh, applications in at Action and quite a few uh, motorsports companies, and she got hired and moved down here, which is how we got down here because mm-hmm. – we kept going down visiting her and loved the weather from compared to Iowa in the oh, yeah. late oh, the spring. Oh, yeah. Or yeah. Early spring, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, we uh, we kept coming down here. So finally we decided to move. You know, I, we got up one morning and drove back and got to Illinois and got the next morning it was snowing. I said, wait a minute, we were in 88-degree weather in Charlotte <laughs> yesterday. We're, we're going to move. Yeah, right. And now I got two grand, grandsons, and so I'm we're staying. So, Tommy, that, I mean, inspiring both your kids to, to do that and to race how they raced, what inspired you to start? Me? Yeah. Uh, it's actually, I blame it on a guy named Mike Hill. He was a couple of years older than me in school, high school. 
And his dad was uh, pretty wealthy at that time. I was his dad's doctor or something official like that. And uh, he went out. And I had a 44 coupe I'd built, was built the engine in and stuff, and I was pretty proud of it. Thought I had a bad machine. So he went out and gave me a good thrice, and I said, you know what? Someday I'm going to have a faster car than you. I'm going to have the world's fastest car. And sure enough, in 1994, we set the NHRA speed record mm-hmm. at 306 miles an hour when Kenny Bernstein could only run 301, 302 miles an hour. So that's pretty dramatic. And we also, no one has ever set, held both the NHRA and IHRA speed record at the same time. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, we held both the IHRA and the NHRA at the same time. Wow. So we, we've done some big things. He's in the Craiger Four Second Club and the 300 Mile Club. Uh, and Wendy's took her career and went on with that. She just, uh, after she won, she kind of just wanted to show the brother, you know, I can do this. Right. So she quit racing and uh, went to went to NASCAR World. That's where she got her husband, met him at Roush Racing at a Christmas party. <laughs> and that's there where I got go. my two grandsons. And ah. they've been married about 15 years now. Wow. Um, it's been a nice success story, but racing has affected our life very much. And I still race. I raced two weeks ago at yeah. out Morrisville Dragway out of here. Yeah. That's right. Decided, yeah. uh, my wife says, why do you want a race car? I said, because I want to race. I can race. Yes. So I got and- a nice little 69 Camaro that Frank Cervelli built the engine in. Oh, wow. It runs like 658 and 1020 and a quarter. And, uh, air cleaner on, mufflers, and just drive around the gate and go home if you want to. But uh, that's pretty fast for no nitrous. I want to go back yeah. to this 300-mile thing for a minute. Yeah, both uh, both yeah. Tommy, I mean, Senior, and Junior are part of that club. I mean, this is, yeah, because this is something not a lot of people have done. Right. But what I was that like? I'm not, I didn't make it go. <laughs> but, but still, what was that Dave like? Dave made it go. <laughs> but how did that feel, going 300 uh, miles an hour? Well, oh, there were several of them yeah, doing yeah. it in Charlotte the other day. But, I mean, I mean, the first time you did it, Tommy, what was that? What, what went through no, your I head? Do, I didn't do it. I never ran 300 miles. Uh-huh. I paid for it. You paid for it. And, uh, we were in Houston, and we were just we were not qualified. We ran ran muffed up the first two runs. It was Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. We were just trying to get in. Well, our crew chief Dave Settles uh, had some trick mags. He had all tricked up. Had had uh, 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 somebody trick up, and he uh, put them in. And boy, that thing went right out and marched all the way. And never dropped cylinder. And uh, we radioed down to uh, to him that hey, you just ran three hundred mile an hour when that. You know, I saw a 387 go up on the scoreboard, and I said, hey, we're in. Wendy said, no, Dad, look at that. He ran 302 miles an hour, and uh, so we was pretty happy. We got down there, and Steve Evans says, I hate racing radios because he already knew it. Uh. <laughs> he didn't get to tell him he'd ran, got in the 300-mile-hour club. That, the thing had been open for two years, and no, the last two spots had not got, t- got taken, and in one hour, both Tommy Jr. and Russell Splat from Australia took the last two spots. So that's pretty good to be in the 300-mile-an-hour club and the Fort Craig or Fort Second Club. Yeah, no kidding. I, and I did. No, I didn't do anything to it, but just paid for everything and, and hired the right people. Mm. Right. Now, you ran a little bit in NHRA. Am I correct about that? Yeah, I ran Competition Eliminator, and I ran Super Gas, and, you know, I had a nice Camaro. Uh, I gave my uh, Jerry Hoff car to Tommy Jr. Mm-hmm. That's how he got his career started. He was mm-hmm. 15 years old and went to Gator Nationals. Yes. At that time, they had a loophole that if you had a driver's license, it didn't require 16, but if you had a driver's license, you could race an NHRA national event. Well, I, I researched all the states, and to come find out, this Iowa, where we lived, had a loophole farm kids and we lived out in the country so we were considered a farm kid could get a special permit to drive at 14 between the hours of 7 a.m and 9 9 p.m 9 a.m and then again at four o'clock or three o'clock whenever school got out to like six o'clock so they get home to chores well we kind of abused that rule and they called, actually changed it after the Gator National because there was 242 cars in Supergas. It was all run them days, mm-hmm. not limited like it is. And Tommy Jr. got down to five cars. And this was a pretty unusual car because it was a Jerry Haas Pro Stock car, a Camaro with a big block Lenko, but it had a two oh. barrel on it. And up this sucker would run 990. I don't care if it was 130 degrees out or. Mm-hmm. 27 degrees it would run 990 no throttle stop 
Mm. And he wouldn't just mow them down because he showed good reactions then, which he still possesses today. Right. And you ran some of that NHRA racing, but you didn't really go all the way. You you didn't go I up to Funny no, Car or that kind of stuff. Why did you decide no. not to go with Tommy when he decided to move up to Top Fuel and Funny Car? Well, no, no, I did. I, I okay. we ran our Top Fuel car. We ran out. Oh, did you? Okay. For years, his biggest break in life was we ran alcohol funny car for five years. Yeah, he told me about the alcohol funny car. And we started racing our own family car for a couple of years, and Jim Brissett was our crew chief. Well, Jim Brissett later went to work for Joe Gibbs. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, they wanted to, wanted to, they weren't happy with the Cruz Petragon at that time. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know why. Cruz is a good guy and a good driver. Mm-hmm. And they uh, uh, wanted to make a change in the car. They thought the trouble was the driver, not the car. So mm-hmm. they, uh, Jim Brissett says, I know somebody can drive it. And uh, Joe Gibbs says, uh, well, Tommy, he suggested Tommy because we were old friends. Right. And uh, he says, well, Tommy's a top funny car dr- or a top field driver. Mm-hmm. He said, well, yeah. He says, well, he drove an alcohol funny car for five years. So it'd be a changeover, be easy. And they gave him a chance, and he went out and finished top ten the first half a year. Mm-hmm. Then that deal closed up, and uh, Joe Gibbs put his money over in the NASCAR. Mm-hmm. So then, uh, once you're good enough for Joe Gibbs, uh, then suddenly Snake's calling you, uh, Kenny Bernstein's calling you, Don Schumacher, and that mm-hmm. he just one of those uh, real legends in the sport. Mm-hmm. And he's been a professional driver. I was going through cancer. I had can- uh, colon cancer, and having some real problems, and uh, going through chemo and stuff. And I said, Tommy, I can't do this anymore. I got to sell this thing and quit. And just mm-hmm. but I think you're a good enough driver. Uh, you can get a ride, and sure enough, he's drove for the best of the best. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned your battle with cancer. That's the next question we were going to ask you or bring up, next mm-hmm. thing we were going to bring up. Mm-hmm. You wrote a book about your battle with cancer as well as your history in racing. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, yeah, in, in 1999, I was running the IHRA, and I just thought it was the stress of uh, – racing against the big budgets we were against paul romine and doug herbert which had sponsors and we didn't have a sponsor uh, we'd lost our other previous sponsor and we were trying to run it without that in the stress of that well we led the championship all year and uh, i thought that my my i was so tired of well what it was i was bleeding internally so uh finally uh, i went in for my nhra super gas license i keep, keep kept that current and uh, my doctor says, well, I'll sign your license. You can drive a race car. But he said, you're anemic. I said, doc, what's anemic? He said, your red blood count is down. You may have be bleeding internally. So I, uh, uh, you know, we did some first, well, I screwed around with this family doctor for a year and a half. And unfortunately, they probably, um, I wouldn't have had to have surgery had I found a tumor at an early stage, but that's why I tell everybody. So everybody bitched about having to get a, a physical is, you know, they, NHR has caught a lot of people with uh, heart diseases and mm-hmm. like me, cancer and stuff by request. they've done away with now in the sportsman. So that's too bad because it sure help, has helped a lot of people. But anyway, I went in and uh, they found finally we we screwed around that doctor and went to Des Moines and had a doctor up there and he caught it on a try. He went and put me on the table and cut my insides out at uh, April first of nineteen ninety nine. Everything mm-hmm. went good. About into six, six months of chemo, um, I wasn't feeling too good. So on doctor's office called me said you're just come back and you're not very good. We want you to come out and talk. And my doctor says, sit down, says, uh, I've got some bad news. We're going to stop chemo. I said, no, that's terrific news. That stuff's awful. Mm-hmm. She says, from Bangladesh, mm-hmm. she said, well, I got uh, more bad news. She said, this will be your last visit to this office. We're, we're terminating all all help for you. Mm-hmm. And she said, you got a will? I said, yeah. She said, well, you better get an order because this is August. You're not going to be here for Christmas. So it was wow. pretty traumatic, you know, but I fell out of the chair. And uh, anyway, I went to a car show the next day, and I met the lady and, uh, that was in a wheelchair. And I said, being concerned about her, she said, don't worry about me. She says, uh, 
Yeah, I'd been in a car wreck a year earlier, but I'm going to start therapy next week, and I'll be walking in a month. I said, that's terrific. She said, I heard you got some bad news. Well, I started crying again. I mean, I'm 54 years old, and mm-hmm. you just can't hold back those terrific emotions. Right. Mm-hmm. So I started crying, and she said, don't cry. She said, you ever hear about that stuff from Mexico? I hear it cures cancer called Lantro, but they ban it in the United States because they don't want to put all these doctors out of business and, and show up these drug companies that aren't finding a cure when they, they are a cure. Mm-hmm. I said, no, I never heard about it. I researched it, and a friend of mine, which was our former IHRA crew chief, Tim Kushai, mm-hmm. he was real good at computers. He found it. I had a shift in and started taking it. In 30 days, my cancer was gone. What? Yeah. So everybody, yeah. Isn't that amazing? That, yeah, that's that's the, the most amazing story. Took some herbal tea and selenium and some other stuff, whole combination of stuff. And so everybody kept, over the years after that, everybody kept saying, well, why don't you write a book and tell everybody so we can save people? Yeah, absolutely. So I posted so a book five years ago, and I'm just getting ready for my fifth and final edition. You know, I'm 73 years old, so I'll probably be taking my cancer secret back to my grave because, you know, how much longer am I going to live, you know? Actually, I'm the healthy. You never know. My, my wife's the one that's having all the health troubles right now. she got a hole in her stomach, got a bad heart. Well, you got to have her you know, take so. whatever you were taking. Maybe it'll help with that, too. No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. It was just good for cancer. But, you know. You never know. What I'm most <laughs> You can tell I'm real proud of my both kids at the yeah. uh, National Mechanics mm-hmm. or National Event events. I want to be remembered for the people that I saved. Oh. You know, I'm going to tell you right now, 90% of the people that read my book, because I explained in there what I took, how much I took each day, mm-hmm. where to get it, and sadly, how little it costs compared to chemo, which is ridiculous and has lots of side effects. Right. What mm-hmm. I took has no side effects. That's nice. Very nice. This that's is, how I want. That's how I want to be remembered. Yeah. All them people that I helped, and uh, I'm just real proud of that. Let's be sleep real good at night. So, Tommy, you know, this is a great chance to to plug it. Yeah, tell us the name of the book. Yeah, give me the yeah. name of the book, and where can we get it? Because just, I'm okay. I'm well, baffled uh, by this. Well, just called a cancer book. Uh, uh, it's, it can be found at the www.cancerbook-tj.com. And I can tell you this, uh, you would believe that some of the people have bought his books from me. Mm-hmm. Rick Hendrick and his friend Larry mm-hmm. Matthews have bought 21 books from me. Mm-hmm. I still carry Rick Hendrick's first $20 bill. But he, the books are 20 bucks. <laughs> and I still carry his $20 bill from the first one. He parted with a 20 <laughs> But I said, yeah, I can tell you. But as famous as Rick Hendrick is, I would have gave him that book. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah, but the, he was willing to buy it from you. Let him. Yeah, and the <laughs> fact that he parted with the money, really. I mean, come on. He was insistent that I buy it, so I still got it in my billfold five years later. That's awesome. And Dan Pastorini has bought four or five bucks from me. Uh, Eddie Hill and Ursie Hill have bought uh, probably 15. My best customer is Arlene Johnson. She's probably bought uh, Warren's wife. Mm-hmm. She's probably bought 75 bucks from me. So, wow. Yeah, it's, and I've sold so many things. I've sold a ton of doctors. Uh, one of them was one of the uh, chief uh, doctors for the Denver Broncos. Oh, wow. And he's bought five or six books from me. And mm. the, the thing is, a lot of these doctors are curious about, you know, that they can't recommend anything, my, what I gave. Right. And even I can't recommend. I can only tell you my story. Yeah, they have right. to follow uh, with the FDA. Yeah, yeah. Well, they'd lose, yeah, they, they'd lose their license. Be lawsuits all over the place. Blame, yeah. mm-hmm. blame the doctors. That's all they've been taught in medical school. Mm-hmm. So they, uh, you know, that's, they're gonna they're gonna go, have to go with the regular medicine, right. and uh, they'll lose their license. And I'll tell you what, people call me and will say, "Well, I want to talk about cancer." You know, they think I'm not concerned. Well, right. if I wasn't concerned, I wouldn't have spent ten years of my life, and about ten thousand dollars, publishing, researching mm-hmm. uh, this book, mm-hmm. and. Because it costs about as much to publish a little book as it does a big book. Right. Yeah, it does. It, right. te- it tells my entire story, and it has. So I'm so proud. Here's the deal: ninety percent of the people who get my book agree that with me, what I took and everything. Mm-hmm. Well, they let their doctor talk them out. That leaves ten percent. Mm-hmm. There's the remaining five percent. It's too late for time to get the book. They're, just, yeah. they're not going to make it. Right. I don't care what you get them. The, you know, the prayer is about the only thing you do for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, at least 5%. But I can tell you this, truthfully, 
I hear back from so many people or their families, and they say, you know what, uh, my son, my son, and my daughter, my mother, my dad was completely cured by what you took. I'm so thankful. And um, and the other ones, uh, you know, they say, well, my, you know, cancer finally got him. But for instance, there's on page 81 of my book, there's a lady that uh, showed up one day, this beautiful picture of her race car. Mm-hmm. And uh, heard her husband in a race car, super comp car, and it was painted to match my book. It said "Inspiration Tommy Johnson Jr." Oh, nice. She says you mm-hmm. gave you gave me. Uh, my doctors gave 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 my husband two to four weeks to live. Mm-hmm. You gave me two and a half years with my with my uh, husband. That's amazing. Said, Man, could I use that in my book and kind of dedicate it to him? And yeah. she said, "Absolutely. That's why I sent you that picture." And That's you know amazing. what? I never, heard, I never knew them people. Never heard anything about them. But I was so proud of something like that. But I get lots of stories like that. Tommy, That's that amazing. is fantastic. Sure. And and you know, you mentioned something that you know you want to be remembered for the lives that you saved. And I know yeah. you also have a business that aids competitive drivers out there. Tell me a little bit about that and some of the work you're doing there. Well, I, I build uh, alarms and GPS tracking units for uh, for uh, enclosed trailers like mm-hmm. NASCAR. I uh, do real well in mm-hmm. IMSA and like uh, uh, 24 Hours Rolex. Uh, mm-hmm. Two years ago, uh, finishers one, two, and three of the 24 Hours Rolex of Daytona mm-hmm. was all all had my complete alarm, GPS, smoke detectors. I make uh, unique some new unique products. They all had that. I was very proud of that. Well, what it is, I sent them all an email and told them, thank you. I said, you know, I didn't have a damn thing to do about um, you winning, but I said, I kept your trailers safe yeah. so you could win. You'd be yeah. amazed yeah. how many trailers get nice stolen at these races. It oh, amazes yeah. me. I don't know yeah. how these people oh, have the gall yeah. to steal a, a trailer. Like, well, <laughs> I just can't believe Brad Anderson and Jay Payne, two very well-known people mm-hmm. in the just got their traders broken into, mm-hmm. yeah. and and I talked to Jay, uh, give, sent him some information on, and he hasn't bought yet. What the hell is the matter with Jay Payne <laughs> and Brad Anderson? It's not like they don't have the money. They're, they just want to spend money on the car and nothing left. else. Well, you know, that but, insurance money is a little bit more than, you know, getting getting a GPS tracking system. Well, That's true. Like they said, uh, the problem was that it's not, not the stuff they stole. They just tore up the traders yeah. you know, getting in. Oh. Mm-hmm. They had, uh, I can't remember which NASCAR driver it was. You might remember, Tommy. Um, there was, was it Joey Gacy? I'm not sure if that's right. There was a NASCAR driver that had their rig stolen, and they found it later. This was this was like either this year or last year. I can't remember. I just remember seeing the story. And uh, by the time they found it, it was on fire on the side of the road. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I can't yeah, well, remember who it was. It wasn't, it wasn't a well-known. I think it was an Xfinity one of the, one of the driver. One here. Two years ago, we had a real odd storm, uh, mm-hmm. a little snowstorm, mm-hmm. and uh, it was for the Atlanta NASCAR race. Mm-hmm. And one of the smaller teams didn't have a big budget. Yeah, they, this was uh, a small team too. Yeah, they they said, well, let's go ahead and send the semi down. They had they had not, there was a big enough team that had semis and stuff, right. but the car they only had like one car ready for Atlanta. And he said, well, let's just go ahead and send the semi down. We'll bring it down in a gooseneck with a dually. Mm-hmm. They did. They parked at the hotel in Atlanta. Got in about midnight, got up at 5.30 to go out to get in their trailer, and it was gone. Mm-hmm. Well, the thieves knew that well, they, they didn't know it was in there. Mm-hmm. It was a white trailer. It's about the worst thing you could do. Mm-hmm. You're actually better off to have some lettering on so they know what's in it. Right, mm-hmm. They may not be interested. Well, these the, the police department, they found the... Uh, they found the ra- the race car. They just mm-hmm. rolled it out and said, "Well, shoot, we try to sell this. I mean, everybody will know who it is. We'll, right. we'll be caught in a minute." Right. They rolled it in the ditch, mm-hmm. and they, they uh, didn't want the truck because it had to have a title. Mm-hmm. Well, unfortunately, this most of those take them to some of the states that have no title states, like South Carolina. Mm-hmm. You can go down to DMV and you just tell them, "I built this trailer yep. and I want mm-hmm. to get an enclosed trailer and I want to get a license for it," and they just give you a title. Yep. Mm-hmm. Man, they need to change the laws, you know. Wow. Absolutely. So, Tommy, so you're a published author, successful businessman, successful racer. Mm-hmm. And what's mm-hmm. next in the life of Tommy Johnson Sr. besides putting something yummy on that green egg? <laughs> well, two things. Yeah, two things. I'm taking care of my 92-year-old mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was 19, or 16, we were dating. 
Well, you know, I hate to tell you, but my my father-in-law knew what a 19-year-old was after. Oh, no. <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, I know. Well, just young young, young guy. And uh, he wouldn't let me come near his place. Well, he works mm. like a chef. And I'd, I would uh, go out and uh, his, the, my mother-in-law at that time, said mm. she would uh, – Called me up when he went. He worked second shift, so she called me when he went to work. And said, "You can come out and see my daughter." <laughs> well, Sneaking around. That's fifty-one years ago. We've been married, you know, and we have well, we've had our spouse like everybody, but we oh, kept right. a strong marriage and nice family and nice grandkids. Now. Absolutely, mm-hmm. for fifty-one years. Mm. I told her back then, "This is fifty-one years ago." I said, "Someday I'm going to pay back, pay you back, oh. for, for being so kind to me." You know what? Now she's. Uh, she was living in Iowa on her own, and she got sick because she's so diabetic and wasn't taking her insulin. Mm-hmm. Right? And she got put in the hospital, and they put her in a nursing home. I went up and got her out of her nursing home, brought her back down here, and she's with me full time now. Nice. Now she's lonelier than pet coon because she's got dementia. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I put up with it, and I'm still <laughs> taking care of her. Wow, you are and, a saint. Uh, <laughs> So it's uh, it's been a been a blessing, and that tells you that you know you keep a promise when when you can. Yes, that's so, right. Yes. Yeah, you know I've done some good things in life. I've done some yes, nice things, but I've done some good life. But basically, late in life, I've turned into a pretty good grandpa and a pretty good a pretty good husband. You that's know, and, son, and a son-in-law. Yeah, <laughs> I have a very good friend of mine named Larry Rowland, and he told me one time that mm-hmm. you know he's he's owned companies, he's been a minister, he's mm-hmm. you know anything you you know name it, he's done it. But he said the best title he ever got was being called Pawpaw. Aww. Absolutely. I tell everybody, I've got a friend of mine in, in uh, Florida. I said, your life is going to be when you get grandkids. Mm-hmm. It's the best thing in life, and it has been, you know. That's amazing. And Yeah, and I got this little, uh, he's, he's 13 now. Of course, he's starting to lose interest in Junior Dragster because he's got interest in girls. <laughs> but he, he, this weekend at the at Max, he packed the shoots. And I was going to uh, say, I saw weekend, him, and he seemed to be working with the crew on Sunday. So you got to give him yeah. that. Well, this weekend, uh, my wife, as you know, was in the hospital right, last week, right, so she right. couldn't go. Mm-hmm. I kept tabs on her, and our daughter kept helping me with her. Mm-hmm. So I went down, and I took my grandson, two grandsons, both of them, and mm-hmm. one of their friends, or two of their friends, mm-hmm. and we camped out in the motorhome, and uh, just kind of treated the boys. So mm-hmm. I said, I've turned into a pretty good papa in the late in life. Absolutely. Yes, he has. Absolutely. Tommy, this has been absolutely fantastic. What a great story. Well, I hope I opened your, open your eyes a little bit. But for anybody interested in my book, it's not just all about cancer. I had right. one, I've sold over 5,000 books, which mm-hmm. for a self published author, that's That's phenomenal. really good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That is phenomenal. Now, you know, I'm just waiting one of these days, a big time publisher from New York will pick it up. That's right. The problem I've had is pretty controversial because you're talking about something that we have cures for cancer now, but the. FDA and everybody won't, all these drug, drug companies won't let you know about it. That's because those big time <laughs> medical companies me, so won't make their money. Wants to, <laughs> yeah, to talk about it. That's right. So, but uh, you know, I'm very, very proud of, of what I've done with that book, and it's helped mm-hmm. an awful lot of people. And my goal in the beginning was if I say one person, it was worth the price. Absolutely. It yes. cost me to yeah. publish it. Yes. And, and tell me, what's the link to the book again? WW Cancer Book. Dash TJ or dot uh, dot cancer book dash TJ not slash dot com. Mm-hmm. It's also on Kindle, Amazon Kindle. Nice. Yeah, I found it on Amazon. Yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, every word in it. I promise you, I wrote it from from the heart, and it, every word is true, and it has saved so many people. And the ones that it hadn't saved, it's given so much more time to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I tell everybody. The book's twenty bucks. Wouldn't you give twenty dollars for one more day with your loved one? Oh, Absolutely. Yes. I tell you yeah. what, I Amazon. live in a nice home here. Uh, we have mm-hmm. no debt. We're not rich. We're not mm-hmm. poor. Mm-hmm. We're just comfortable. Mm-hmm. I'd trade my house in a minute for one more day with my mother. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So I Thursday, my books worth twenty bucks. There you go. Now I do have to ask an off the wall question before we let you go. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh-huh. If if you were to jump behind the wheel of a funny car and you and your daughter and junior all went racing, who's gonna ah. win that race? 
people. My son was well. My daughter was pretty good in her day. But now <laughs> your your got, daughter you know, say her. She got her own business. You know. You know what she did? When she came down here. She worked at Action Automotive. Uh huh. People for, mm-hmm. for a few years, and then when she actually did Dale her senior's account, she'd call uh-huh. me up in Iowa and say, uh, "He said, Dad, guess who just took me lunch?" I said, "Who's that?" She said, "Dale Earnhardt Senior." Nice. I said, mm-hmm. Oh, he's just funny as heck. And uh, <laughs> yeah, she said, "I said, you make him make him buy it." Well, of course. Yeah. So she had good relationship when he got killed, and he she left, and mm-hmm. Kelly, his daughter Kelly, mm-hmm. left. But a few years later, they actually went and messes uh, his sister uh, Dale or her daughter Kelly Earnhardt, mm-hmm. and uh, went my daughter Wendy and um, Dale Earnhardt Jr. went in business. They were business partners for six years. Then mm-hmm. both Kelly and my daughter wanted to have one more grandson mm-hmm. baby, and mm-hmm. they had another baby. Well, after my daughter. Five years, the baby got to be five years old, started school. Dale Jr. called her and said, would you come and run my my foundation charities? Mm -hmm. So she did for two years, and she doubled it. That's how good a job she did. Wow. Mm -hmm. She's really good in the the business world. Yeah. And uh, then she quit, and now she's got an Internet business. My son's got an Internet business. He's Mm -hmm. got a, uh, which followed, you know, I was in the mail business for 25 years. Mm -hmm. My son has got uh, TA Candles, which is on Essie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and my daughter's yeah. got a business called. Um, I gotta think of the name of it. Uh, uh, the whole family's entrepreneurial. Laddie, Laddie That's right, May, Laddie May. Well, they yeah, both followed my business in racing and in business. Both yeah. in our business yeah. now. Uh, S it's on Essie. Mm-hmm. It's called Lottie May Designs. Oh, nice. And they both okay. got some really cool stuff. But like yeah. today, you know, my son's getting ready to get married to just most wonderful gal. Mm-hmm. And she flew home. She's busy filling orders day. And she works <laughs> nights. Uh, she's kind of like a uh, – she works nights and travels all over Indiana and mm-hmm. uh, down to Nashville, Tennessee, and Ohio mm-hmm. and Indiana. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, she goes into nursing homes and audits their, their drug <laughs> stuff like that. Wow. Wow. So, cool. Tommy, Family. I'm looking forward to the wedding in December. Oop, I wouldn't both tell that. Oh, see, oh, <laughs> see, now that HRA is going to get a hold of that, and they're going to put it on their site. That's right. <laughs> Tommy, yeah, that's right. It's going to be in December, and we can't wait. We I just bet you can. Well, we're I excited you for you guys, man. I am. I am just sitting over here glowing. Thank you so much. This yeah, has been fantastic. Tell, I'm the social butterfly in the family. <laughs> yes, you are. I don't know. Your son was quite the butterfly on Sunday, and he was in a great mood after the race. So I'm glad I got to talk to him then. Yeah, he made the final. His car, uh, he would, yeah, he was actually ahead of Cruz at half. Yeah, he was. And and the uh, spun the tires, you know. He said his ignition switch went out as well. That's what he told me. That wasn't so much. It wasn't so much as uh, NHRA has cut back their track prep. Yeah, he told me about that too. Diluting the base and that is awful because But that's what's causing all these blow-ups. Now the cars are spinning the tires, the fuel pump engines, it mm-hmm. drops cylinders, because, and it causes the hydraulic, and that's what blew Matt Hagen's body off. Mm-hmm. The that tires, was a crazy yeah. rich, rich it up. Well, mm-hmm. it's going to continue until NHRA made a bad step there. So. Mm-hmm. Hey, I told well, Tommy okay, keep his head up because like Ron was impressed, and he also uh, beat John Four. so there you go. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you guys take care. Thanks Thank you, you too. Tommy, thank you so much. We look forward to talking to you soon. Podcast gonna be uh, be on. What's it gonna be on? It's gonna be on racingjunk.com, and I'll be sure to send you the link as soon as it's posted. Okay, please do. Thank you very much. Thank thank you. you. And tell Junior I said thank you as well. Uh, he just he just got here. They got home from our grandson's ball game, nice. and they're out on the deck now, and he's checking the green egg. I was gonna say, tell him to cook okay. that meat right. That's right. Tell him. Well, he does. Let me tell you something. He's the cook. I'm the one. I, all I cooked for the boys last week was hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And hamburgers. Yeah, that's about the limit of my. I'm I'm married a good cook. That's why I'm, I keep hey. telling everybody. If you re, if you read my book. And Alan, one of these days, in fact, I'll remind me, and I'll give you one of my books. I've got. <laughs> I already downloaded it. But hey, I'll take yeah, a hard okay, copy. I need right. to get a hard copy. Too. I mean, yeah. I'll get you a hard. We'll wait until we get the new one. The new one will be out in about three weeks. Well, there you go. I'll make sure I get a hard copy of that one. And uh, and yeah, that's so. We'll talk to you later then. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tommy. Okay. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Take care. Bye bye. Okay. Bye. What a story. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh yeah, he's he's talkative, but you know what? Yeah, that's what he's great. He's phenomenal. I met uh, Senior Tommy Senior. Um, at a Greensboro Drag Racing Expo car show uh, a few months ago, back in February. And he and I stood there and talked for an hour, hour and a half. And 
I mean, I just fell in love with the story. It's like this is going to be Chris's favorite guest so far. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I wish I wish they could see my face while he was talking. I know. I mean, He's I was so going impressive. from smiling to concern to holy crap, wild by this by this cancer book. Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously, I am extremely skeptical with everything. Right. You know this. Oh, of course you are. My glass. Look, some people say it's a glass half full, a glass half empty. I'm the one going. It's usually empty because he drank it all. Yeah, but well, that, <laughs> I'm usually going, why does my glass have pee in it? That's, that's, that's how I am. So oh my gosh. it's, but it, it, that's got to be, yeah. surely. It's, I mean, he was given like two months to live and he starts taking this stuff. And before you know it, he's better. It can't be real. It can't be no. real. I mean, I, I mean, he's a living example of it. I yeah. believe what he says, but I mean, I've heard of these kinds of miracles before. I mean, oh, I've, sure. I've known other people to be cured as well. I mean, a lot of it's prayer, but a lot of it's, I mean, you know, there could be a cure out there that the FDA is just not allowing to come out. Because let's face it, how much money would really be made if the if cancer was cured? <laughs> I mean, here's here's what I don't get: Tommy Johnson Sr., mm-hmm. who wrote this amazing book, and he, like you said was given no time to live, exactly. takes this medicine out of Mexico, Mexico. Mm-hmm. and is just cured within weeks. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just too good to believe for me. It it could be, you know, somewhat hard to believe, but you know what? I just, I'm one of those people that does believe in miracles. I've seen miracles happen. I do, you too. You just never know. I do, Hey, too. the Eagles won the Super Bowl. That was a miracle. <laughs> Well, no, that no, that was no, that wasn't America. That was karma. Oh, okay. that was karma because your boy oh, okay. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick be cheating, and Gronkowski. I'm sorry, don't you don't get that wrong. big just eating stuff out the Midwest. Okay, we all know you can say grain fed all day long. It's steroid. Now he's taking out superroids. I don't know, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Look, this has been a fantastic. Ellen, you did yeah. yeoman's work putting these oh, together. I don't know about that. Going but... from junior to senior, Tommy Johnson, hearing about the family, hearing about the stories. Mm-hmm. This has been a great episode. They really are a tremendous family, and you could tell that they are very close. I mean, realizing when I went to Tommy Jr.'s ho- holler and his tent on Sunday mm-hmm. and seeing that he had family members out, that he was actually working with, on his car with his crew, that he spent time with his crew. He's not just hiding out in his trailer. And let me tell you, there were a lot of drivers hanging out in their trailers, not right. wanting to come out and talk to fans. I never really anybody else. That. Yeah, they go, they go in their cars. As soon as they get out of their car, they're back in the trailer. They don't touch their cars. They don't have anything to do with their cars. Now, I can, I can imagine, I can understand being introverted. Right. And you you know when you get flooded right. by fl- you know when you get flooded by fans cuz I yes. do every time I go down to the Walmart. Oh, of course you do. I mean I got I just get inundated. <laughs> you know, and my hand hurts from doing all them autographs. He's got a little old lady that follows him around Walmart. It's that's the biggest right. fan. That's what he's talking about. The Rhonda. <laughs> and see, he thinks that's he thinks that's a paparazzi. It is a paparazzi. <laughs> She look. She it is funny because bless her heart, she don't even have a smartphone. She uses a Star Tag. She's trying to take pictures with a Star Tag, and I'm like, yeah, you got it, baby. It's okay. You got the picture. I I got to go. I got to get my kids some Cheerios. So, but this has been great. We want to wish both Tommy Johnson Jr. as well as the band who made that driver who he is today, Tommy Johnson Sr. Mm-hmm. I hope they don't burn the salmon on the green egg. Oh, I'm sure they won't. I was I was at their house right now. I do too, man. They didn't when invite me for dinner. I was like, oh. he said, I'll give you a book, but I ain't gonna give you no salmon. <laughs> That's just I wrong. I hate I'm missing out of that. Don't get me wrong. I want to read this this second book that's coming out. Though. Yeah. <laughs> so racing season is upon us. Yes. Things are going crazy. We can't wait to do this again. So stay tuned throughout 2018 racing season as we introduce you to another part of the sport that we all love right here on Behind the Wheel at RacingJunk.com.